Well, I, I think we are going to continue to see uh, an explosion of connectivity around the world. We're definitely lacking enough people to grow as fast as is needed in the space, both in the security domain as well as in the networking domain. There is no AI. You cannot get AI to work if you don't have a high-speed, high-performance, you know, zero-loss network infrastructure. Uh, and we've been building these for a very, very long time. And so this is nothing new for, for us. Cisco Silicon One is market-leading silicon. Uh, I will give it to you this. We first launched our first Silicon One chip three and a half years ago. And during that time, we have now 14 Silicon One chips that go from 10.8 terabits and have gone lower uh, all the way up to over 50 terabits wow. per second on a single chip. That's crazy. Which is which is crazy. If you've been in the space for a while, you know that that's a lot of bandwidth. Everyone, it's David Bumble coming to you from Cisco Live, back with Jonathan. Jonathan, great to have you back. It's fabulous to be back. So we last spoke at Cisco Live in Vegas, but I believe there's a big announcement, something about a GPU company? Right. You know, you, you, I'm sure your audience might have heard of, uh, of NVIDIA, of course, I joking. I think so. Yeah, probably. Well, we, uh, we are both of our CEOs, Chuck Robbins, as well as Jensen, uh, announced this week that we are joining forces right. to go and bring the best uh, GPU in the market with the best networking in the market, putting it together so that their GPUs go into our servers. Uh, we're gonna put our ethernet networking behind that. We're going to wrap it up with what we call Cisco validated designs to make it easy for enterprises to go and deploy their own games. AI workloads. Well, if they wanna do games, that's fine too, you know? I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, we put, we put, NVIDIA, G, we put NVIDIA GPUs inside of our, uh, our collaboration devices. Yep. So they're everywhere. Uh, so there's a lot of great use cases for how these two things come together. But this specifically is to help on the enterprise data center side to really help scale our customers. And our customers are really looking for simplicity and putting these things together. Yeah, I interrupted you, so I apologize. But I had to bring the gaming in. So it's AI specifically, right? Uh, it is definitely for AI. We What we're hearing from our enterprise customers is that they want to be able to perhaps start in the cloud with AI, um, but then they also want to be able to do inference uh, in their own data centers and at their own pace, at their own scale. And they're really excited about this. I think one of the reasons perhaps is they don't want their data leaking to some public place perhaps. Is that one of the reasons? Uh, well, there's always concerns about that. Yep. There's a lot of, uh, well, if you go talk to any of the major hyperscalers today, they will tell you that they have found ways to segment your data off, um, but there's still always concerns. So one of the things I heard, and you can just correct me, Something about the connections are now going to be Ethernet? Yes, Ethernet. I'm sure your audience has heard, heard of Ethernet that. as well. Yeah, Ethernet's great. It's been around for a little bit. And, you know, we are the, the Ethernet company yep. for all intents and purposes. And so what people really want is an open choice uh, around how they can go and take not only NVIDIA GPUs, but at some point other GPUs as well and have a common fabric amongst those. And, and Ethernet is the connectivity mechanism for the entire globe. And so... They're really looking for Ethernet. Open Ethernet is really important, and, and Cisco is behind that, and we're going to keep building more and more Ethernet standards as time goes on. Just for people who might not be aware, what, what was used previously? Yeah, so what we have seen is a lot of customers of GPUs traditionally have used InfiniBand, and yep. InfiniBand is still being used heavily, uh, but for the most part, it's it's can only come from one vendor. Uh, and, and Ethernet comes from lots of different vendors, and yep. we've got a lot of competition in the Ethernet space. Yep. And customers have already made data center choices for their Ethernet fabric. And they want to be able to take 
all the goodness of NVIDIA GPUs and plug it into that infrastructure. And they can do that, uh, whether you're using a, a Nexus uh, switch or an ACI ecosystem, we can make sure that it all works seamlessly. I heard you, I think you said it on stage, something about there's no AI without a network. Can you just correct the statement and then what does that mean? Well, I, well, there is no AI. You cannot get AI to work if you don't have a high speed, high performance, you know, zero loss network infrastructure. Uh, and we've been building these for a very, very long time. And so this is nothing new for, for us. Uh, and we want to make sure that customers are very aware you can run AI workloads across Ethernet. There's a little bit of uh, what I would call fear, uncertainty, and doubt out there that Ethernet is fit for purpose for AI workloads, but it absolutely is great. We've got large hyperscalers deploying very large GPU clusters using Ethernet in the back end. Uh, and in fact, Bloomberg did a survey uh, and over the last month, uh, for those who are using Ethernet for their AI workloads in the enterprise, 66% of them are using Fisco. Well, and uh, and the next closest competitor to us, uh, 3%. That's a big difference. So we feel pretty good. Now the um, GPUs go into the Cisco UCS servers. Do I understand that right? You got it. You got it. You got all the names down. Yeah, no, everything. This good. is great. So looking forward. GPUs maybe in other places, or is it specifically for a server product? So today it is going to be in the server product. We are we are looking at putting uh, DPUs into other products. DPUs? DPUs. We'll talk more about that later. Okay. We'll do another show. That'd be great. Um, but we also see the potential for taking AI and inference to the edge. And so there's, stay tuned for that. Uh, if you might be interested in that, reach out, let us know your use cases, because we, we are hearing from many customers that there's interest in that area. Uh, Cisco, I don't know if everyone's aware of that. I mean, they might have seen uh, like chips like these. I think it's a 9300X if I got it right. But Cisco have a Silicon One chip as well. Is that correct? It's a bit bigger than that one. A little bit, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, a little bit bigger than that one. So Cisco Silicon One is market-leading silicon. Uh, I will give it to you this. We first launched our first Silicon One chip three and a half years ago. And during that time, we have now 14 Silica One chips that go from 10.8 terabits and have gone lower uh, all the way up to over 50 terabits wow. per second at a single chip. That's crazy. Which is, which is crazy. If you've been in the space for a while, you know that that's a lot of bandwidth. Uh, not only that, has industry-leading amount of power per 100 gig port, which is how we measure power on a chip and it's significantly lower than our the next nearest competition. It's something we're really proud about. And if you care about saving money or if you care about sustainability, it's a great thing to look after. So how is that different to say like a Intel CPU or or the, the GPUs from NVIDIA? Can you just like, how does it work together with, with this announcement? Was that something else? The, there's two things to that. So the NVIDIA GPUs are going into the UCS servers. Uh, you're gonna have the Cisco networking infrastructure, which can use Nexus. Uh, which is predominantly what is deployed in the Ethernet. And Nexus can operate in two modes. It can operate in an EVPN BGP mode, or it can operate in an ACI fabric mode. So yep. if you want to do real intent-driven based things, and your UCS servers uh, will work in either one of those modes uh, with GPUs in them. Um, we also have for the very hyperscale side of things where they deploy Cisco 8000. And the Cisco 8000 has Silicon One. Nexus also has Silicon One. So you get the advantages, regardless of which path you choose to go down. But the hyperscalers traditionally have gone down the, the Cisco 8000 path, 
which started with Silicon One and now Silicon One is everywhere. Silicon One's on our campus infrastructure now as well. I've heard this um, term digital experience monitoring. What is that about? I'm glad you asked. It is uh, something we're really excited about. You know, I've been uh, in this networking space for uh, for almost 30 years, believe it or not. I've, I've got to say that. I remember you said it on stage. Sorry to interrupt you again. You made your first VoIP call 25 years ago? Yes. And uh, you wrote a good book about it, which I've read, even though it's a long time ago. It's good for insomnia. You know, yeah. it, it, it's a 100% cure rate for insomnia. Uh, so uh, if you have that, it's a great book to get. Uh, a little out of date now, but still some, some, some true principles in there. So digital experience monitoring. If you go back to 30 years ago, one of the things that we've really been trying to solve for is what is the user experience? What is the application experience? And how are things experiencing the infrastructure? And it's been really hard to know. And like, okay, well, we're having loss over here, but is it impacting anyone negatively? Yeah. And so this is a big reason why we acquired Thousand Eyes three and a half years ago yeah. and why we've continued to add more into this observability framework by acquiring Acidian, Sam Nose, and others. And now we have taken Thousand Eyes, integrated into our Catalyst switching portfolio, our Catalyst routing portfolio, Meraki, WebEx, uh, AppD, and now we announced it's in integrated into our Cisco Secure Access, which is our SSE stack. So you can know what your users, your applications, your things are experiencing, and you can know where they're having a challenge. Is it the local Wi-Fi network? Is it the last mile? Is it perhaps a, somewhere in the middle, two or three hops away? And then you can know how you need to reroute your traffic or fix that experience. And we're really excited about where that's going. For my audience, very big interest in cybersecurity, ethical hacking, not talking about the bad guys but like how to protect security is a problem. Cisco doing something about it? Oh, absolutely. So think of us as uh, not only an internet data company, yeah. but we are the secure networking company. And when you're pulling these, these things together, it's really important for it to be a seamless experience. And so we announced last June yeah. uh, the Cisco Networking Cloud. We have the Cisco Security Cloud, but in reality those clouds uh, are, for the, from a customer perspective, those clouds are integrated. Yeah. So if you look at, for example, a Meraki dashboard, where you can now manage your Catalyst switches, you can monitor your Catalyst wireless, and of course, you get the full Meraki experience with, with all of the other equipment. We have seamlessly integrated in the security elements from G2's portfolio. Right. So the firewall that G2's built is integrated into the Catalyst routing portfolio. Right. It's integrated into the Meraki MX portfolio. Uh, we get threat detection data from Talos, which is the premier yeah. uh, aspect there. And that those signatures are pushed into all of the Cisco networking devices. And you can even provision your SASE stack directly from the Meraki dashboard. We've integrated Catalyst SD-WAN, the premier SD-WAN, number one SD-WAN on the planet, uh, is can now be easily integrated into the Cisco Secure Access Technology, our SSC stack. So there's a lot of great things that are happening uh, because people are more likely to secure their infrastructure if it's simple and yeah. if it's easy to go and do. So we spoke about that last time, right? Where the complexity was a big problem. So we on this journey to simplify more and more and make the user interfaces better, it sounds like. Absolutely. Well, we want to make sure that the workflow uh, is simple. Yeah. You know, we, we've all become very attuned to, in our personal lives, having really great UI. Yeah. And this is one of the things that, that G2 and I and Liz spent a lot of time talking about is how do we yeah. dramatically simplify the user experience so it's easy to deploy agents, so it's easy to understand what this all this data is trying to tell you and get proposed solutions for you so that you can just click the yes or no button on them. Now you mentioned data, and it was also in the keynote, 
something along the lines that Cisco is a data company? Yes. Well, if you think about and how we can go and, and transform these digital experiences, that requires data. AI requires data. Yeah. Uh, and so what I don't think people really appreciate is the size and the scale of, of the company. Uh, and then what that means from a data perspective. No, I don't think we, so. We have visibility into over a billion endpoints around the world. Well, that means that there's a billion endpoints that we see from a telemetry spec every single day. And so we know when school's in session because there's more endpoints. We know when school's out of session because there's fewer endpoints. Uh, and, and people are giving us the right. It's all anonymized. You know, we're not, we're not using the data maliciously. So it's in, our, it's in our, our, our code of ethics. But what that means is that with the enterprise's permission is we can add value based on that data. So we see over a billion endpoints. We have tens of millions of agents deployed. Uh, we're running billions of tests every single day to understand what's happening across public SaaSs, what's happening across the public internet, what's happening across the private infrastructure when the customer asks us to do that. But we're able to then correlate all this information together and provide seamless outcomes. And that's where that digital experience monitoring. So we really wanted to emphasize, or still want to emphasize the fact that we are an internet data company. Uh, and then of course, when we get to the point where we actually close the Splunk acquisition, that's only going to bolster that even more. And then through AI, that can be leveraged to better protect, better monitor, right? Uh, provide better experiences, yep. provide better security. You know, the the use cases and the outcomes that we can help generate for our customers are, is really unlimited. So I'm going to ask you a personal question. You wrote that book, oh, first VoIP call 25 years ago. I remember my first VoIP call as well, long time ago. It was amazing, you know, going from traditional telephony to like VoIP, changed the world, showing our age. But, you know, this is another wave AI. So if, if you were starting today, what would you advise yourself to do? Any like sort of like looking perhaps forward for yourself or for the next generation or people trying to move into this space? What would you advise? So I think you, you need to be an expert in, in some technology field, um, but also understand that AI is going to fundamentally change things. So if you look at early in career developers coming in, uh, they're using AI to actually accelerate their ability to add value and, and get to full productivity yeah. and whatever they are. So, you know, I remember I would go and we'd have more senior engineers and I would go and just pester them all day long with questions. And if I had an AI tool that could just give me questions, uh, answers to my questions, I would be asking it 50 times a day. And you wouldn't feel dumb when they look down on you, right? <laughs> no, not only I remember dumb, those days. Yeah, and, and you know, nobody, nobody likes being uncomfortable. You might miss out on having a lot of great friendships with that I started, the, started then and I still have now. But, but, but the point is, is it really can help accelerate the curve to yeah. learning. So I'm a big fan of, of that part of it and, and things where you can augment knowledge. But also, you know, there's new things like prompt engineering and understand how to to tune the system, how to ask questions to get the appropriate response back, those are going to be really important. And I just think you're going to see more and more of those jobs moving forward. So AI, if you were starting today, you look at seriously at AI, some kind of AI. A hundred percent. I think, you know, I'll tell you, I tell you what I told my kids is just like it's important to learn a foreign language when you're in school. It's also important to learn basic coding principles. Yeah. Even if you decide you don't want to be a software engineer, when you go into the, the workforce, even if you're going to go to a nonprofit, having that experience means that you're going to be more valuable. It means you'll be able to ask good questions because everybody needs a website. Yeah. Everybody got a database. Everybody has, has customers. And so you're going to be able to go and really make sure that you're making the right decisions to help you do whatever job it is that you want. In fact, I have a, uh, my brother-in-law 
was in the military, uh, was in Afghanistan multiple times. Uh, he has an economics degree, a master's. Ten years ago, he went and got his computer science degree That's just great. so he could ask better questions at work. That's amazing. So AI, coding, those like Python or something, learn how to code because it really opens up the world, doesn't it? And then if you understand how to interact with AI, it's going to accelerate your career. 100%, in my opinion. And what about like networking, security, still good places to go? Well, I, I think we are going to continue to see uh, an explosion of connectivity around the world. We're definitely lacking enough people to grow as fast as is needed in the space, both in the security domain as well as in the networking domain. And just kind of raw numbers, I like to throw numbers out there. Yep. So there's still 3 billion people around the world that are either unconnected or underserved, uh, which means that they either have no connectivity or they don't have enough connectivity to actually enter the digital economy. So that's important. So we need to connect three, that's three eighths of the planet that is under- People forget un that, right? Un underserved or unconnected completely. The second thing, if you look at IoT, you know, it, it took a while to get going, but Cisco is the largest mobile IoT provider in the world. We have oh, wow. two, now 250 million mobile IoT connections with 60 carrier partners around the world. These are cellular connections, but still to this day, less than 10% of all cars in the world are connected. And by 2030, 100% of all cars in the, connect, in the world are connected. And we sell about 60, well, we collectively, the world, sells about 60 million cars a year. And that goes down, it goes up, but around 60 million. So think about that, just cars. I'm not talking about alarm systems, I'm talking about smart cities. Just cars is gonna add a significant number of vehicles, you know, close to 400 million vehicles in the, in the next, you know, six years. In other words, there's huge growth still to, still to huge come. Huge growth, huge problems still need to be solved around, the, around connectivity. Jonathan, I really wanna thank you, you know, for sharing not just the technical visionary stuff, but also inspiring people. Thanks so much, I really appreciate it. True pleasure, thanks for having me.